Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Tuesday. Let's dive in. Well, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy uh, delivered a speech where he kind of, in the build-up to the State of the Union address that's taking place tonight, Biden will be delivering that, and we'll be covering it live. Do join us. Kevin McCarthy attempted to focus in on and attack the Democratic Party over the irresponsible spending that they are responsible for in his eyes. And the dishonesty of the narrative he runs with here is truly stunning, um, as we'll discuss further. But first, take a look at this. Did we get here? Yes, our nation has taken on debt for most of its history. But the last few years have been different. Washington fell for a financial fad, a fiscal fraud, that the national debt doesn't matter, that money can always be created out of thin air to pay for it, and that the solution to higher prices is higher taxes. For years, we've watched as Democrats in Congress spent your hard-earned tax dollars like the dollars were imaginary. Thanks to four years of runaway spending by the Democrats, they increased annual discretionary spending by $400 billion. That's a 30% increase in just four years. They took our nation's credit card, spent like crazy, and left us in deep debt. But not once did they seek or accept any responsibility. Okay, so let's just so that we can get to substance, set aside the fact that he speaks as if he's talking to a room of sixth graders. Very patronizing tone there. But I want to dive into this and break it down to three categories of dishonesty. Then I'll get into my general view, separate from the dishonesty of the Republican Party, just my view on this as an individual who talks about politics and thinks about politics um, by itself. Okay, but first, three categories of dishonesty, and this topic is much more complex than the Republican Party attempts to make it out to be often for the purposes of these political attacks. So here we go. Number one, he completely leaves out there the fact that within those four years, there was an economic crisis. And when there's an economic crisis that wasn't the fault of the Republican or Democratic Party, could have been handled better, and you can cast blame either direction um, based on that but just the pandemic was not one of the party's faults and so that occurred caused an economic crisis and when there's an economic crisis you do have to kick it into gear as a government and spend a lot more just to keep people getting by just to make them barely okay until the end of the crisis and so he leaves that out which is important context but then also as the new york times uh, notes here is the second category of dishonesty. It is true that discretionary spending, which is generally subject to congressional authorization each year, compared with mandatory spending levels set by other laws, increased by roughly 30% over the last four years. But that includes two years when Mr. Trump was president and Republicans controlled the Senate. So it is unreasonable to claim that Democrats were solely responsible for the spending increases incurred in those four years. So not only does he not recognize that maybe spending had to be a little bit more intense during an economic crisis we were trying to survive. Also, half of the four years he's talking about, two of the four years, there was a Republican president and the Senate uh, was led by Republicans. There was a Republican majority in the Senate. So you're meaning to tell me that it's the Democratic Party's fault by themselves for all the spending that was done, including two years where two of the four areas that decide on spending, House, Senate, and the president, 
were Republican-led. That doesn't make much sense, right? And so already we see that this is all just for a political attack. There's no actual substance or truth um, to what he's saying. There's some truth to some of the figures he's citing, but not truth in the general message he's trying to put forward. And then the third category of dishonesty is what Republicans want us to believe is that generally, yes, now, but also just as a party, the Democratic Party, irresponsible spenders, Republican Party, responsible spenders. But as we talked about previously, over the last four decades, the deficit has increased more under Republican presidents than Democratic presidents. And just super quickly, as I've explained in the past, the reason why I focus in on deficit spending, not total debt accumulation, is because the debt is kind of a very broad picture over time, right? The deficit lets us understand each year how much did the government spend beyond how much they took in. So if they spent $11 but only took in 10 taxes, then $1 was deficit spent. And so that helps us understand based on the actual actions, decisions being made by presidents, by um, Congress, what was the effect? And then all of those decisions put together gives us our debt. And so under Republican presidents, the deficit has increased more than under Democratic presidents over the last 40 years. And so he's actually ignoring the fact that even within their own talking points, he would have to cast a whole lot more blame towards his own party. And the topic generally is such an annoying game to keep up with because every single time, you can just expect it, you could put money down. When a Democratic president takes office, the Republicans are all of a sudden going to be very concerned with the debt and the deficit. Whenever there's a Republican president, you won't hear anything from them. And as Newsweek writes here, according to the U.S. Department of the Treasury, during the four years of the Trump administration, um, and this is in terms that they usually use, the national debt rose by $7.8 trillion. But they won't be throwing around that figure, right? And uh, that was 24.8% of all of the country's debt. So you'll hear some people say, why aren't you talking about the fact that Trump is responsible for almost a quarter of all of the national debt? Again, I don't talk in terms of debt as often when citing these figures, but using their own language, you would think they would be concerned about that too, and they're not. The reason why I'm also not that judgmental that Trump spent that amount is because a lot of it was during COVID, which was reasonable. Now, certain batches of money went in the wrong directions, but I think most of it should have gone to people who really um, needed it, not to companies that were kind of abusing these programs, but companies should have gotten them too. To be clear, businesses needed the help too, but Oftentimes, we saw abuses of these programs in ways that hopefully we won't in the future. Generally, um, I'm okay with the large amounts of spending during the pandemic, and Trump oversaw some of that, and that's where a lot of that came from. But also, we didn't hear a peep from the Republican Party when Trump increased the deficit over the long run. It's going to be increased by $1.8 trillion, if I'm not mistaken, based on his tax cuts for the wealthy. Um, and so the tax cuts bill he got through that disproportionately benefited the wealthy actually massively increased the deficit and Republicans didn't care. Now that there's a Democratic president, they care a whole lot about all these different things. So hopefully that gives you a sense of the dishonesty of the Republican Party in regard to this. You can see I'm trying to fly through it because there's so much to discuss in regard to this. To complete all of this, let me just say my general view on the conversation of spending, the conversation of the debt, the deficit, separate from pointing out hypocrisy with the Republican Party, separate from pointing out the dishonesty, is that 
we need to focus more on what was that deficit spending for? Just saying this number, this number, Barack Obama, this amount happened, under Trump, this amount happened, then Biden, blah, blah, blah. you can play that game all day long. And it's helpful, as I just did, to debunk some claims. But to form a worldview, it's kind of useless. So let's talk specifically, what was the spending going towards? So I very much disagree with massive tax cuts whenever you don't match that in spending, because even if they did match it, it would be bad cuts that I probably wouldn't like uh, that Trump would decide on. So in Trump's case, because he did not cut the spending that matched it, the tax cut bill that he got through increased the deficit a lot. I don't like that. That's going into the hands of individuals who absolutely don't need that money. And that doesn't stimulate the economy. Trickle down economics is something that we understand so thoroughly now to be not a legitimate economic theory that is not going to cause the economic growth they pretend that it does. Instead, demand side spending that stimulates kind of the term people use bottom up, right? Stimulates the economy bottom up into the hands of everyday working people through social programs that benefit those individuals. That actually grows the economy, stimulates the economy in a way that then matches very reasonably in economic growth the amount that we deficit spent. So then that's a very um, important kind of comparison to look at. Economic growth caused by that deficit spending as compared to the amount that the government's spending. How does that compare? And that's where I derive a lot of relevance with these numbers, I guess you would say. And so to me, if we're spending money that we quote unquote don't have on programs that will stimulate and grow the economy in a beautiful and spectacular fashion, then I'm for it because likely we'll be making that money back um, in the long run based on a more uh, vibrant economy and an economy that has growed, grown a lot, <laughs> growed, grown a lot. And I very much disagree with the Republican type deficit spending that often just benefits the wealthy and does not stimulate the economy in a way that will um, match the amount of spending that they did or just move the country forward in a way where that deficit spending was worth it. Tucker Carlson uh, did a segment about the fact that a fence has been erected around the Capitol for the purposes of the State of the Union, or the purpose of the State of the Union. Of course, Joe Biden is delivering tonight. We'll be covering that live. Please join us. And before we look at this Tucker Carlson clip, that is truly unhinged, absolutely unhinged. I want to give you a sense of what the right-wing talking point here is, and then we'll dive into Tucker Carlson specifically. So here from Donald Trump Jr., when Biden starts talking about unity at the State of the Union, just remember he's also putting up fencing around the Capitol because that's how he really feels about the citizens he's supposed to represent. What a joke. So the point Donald Trump Jr. is trying to make is that because law enforcement has put up a fence around the Capitol, that means that Biden, what, doesn't like the citizens of America, I guess is the point there, or doesn't have respect for them or fears them. And the obvious first point you think of, and again, hold for this Tucker Carlson clip, holy smokes, but the obvious point you think of is, huh, it's almost like there's something in recent memory that would make law enforcement feel like they should have a fence up around the Capitol during an important event like this. January 6th, it could happen. That's what they're concerned about, that type of violence. Well, here was Tucker Carlson's response 
to this fact. The Biden administration is so committed to democracy that they're building a huge wall around the Capitol. What was formerly called the People's House is now just their house, and anyone who's not from there can get away and stop asking about what goes on inside. <laughs> You're seeing pictures on your screen right now. You're no longer allowed in your own house because January 6th, ooh, it can make you hostile if you think about it. It's behind those walls that Biden's gonna read the State of the Union tomorrow, and you need to stay far, far away because it's not your country anymore. Small group of people who hate you are running it. We've got to pack. Let's just watch the beginning one more time. The administration is so committed to democracy that they're building a huge wall around the Capitol. What was formerly called the People's House is now just their house. And anyone who's not from there can get away and stop asking about what goes on inside. <laughs> You're seeing pictures on your screen right now. We're going to watch the whole thing again, sorry. <laughs> You're no longer allowed in your own house because January 6th. Ooh, it can make you hostile if you think. Can you get any closer to just calling for violence besides actually explicitly calling your followers to violence? He's saying it's your house. They're not letting you in it. That can make you hostile. If you think about it, number one, it's not your house as in your property that you can enter whenever you want. It's the people's house as in the work of the people should be getting done there. Not any of us can go in at any point in time. That is one of the most absurd and kind of patronizing slogans you can ever use whenever you use it like that. It's the people's house and they're not even letting us in whenever we would like. Why can't I go stand on... Uh, the stage with Biden. It's my house too. No, no one even <laughs> thinks that. Come on. Completely uh, silly. And again, I say, this is what I think of every time I watch Fox News. If you're a viewer of Fox News, are you not insulted? Look at how dumb he thinks you are, that he's going to talk to you like that. He thinks that you're that easy to deceive, that you'll see that and think that's reasonable. Obviously, you can't go in the Capitol whenever you please. Everyone knows that. And as media ma matters, sorry for getting slightly heated there. That was strange. Um, I try to stay calm. But as media matters noted here, it was actually a Trump appointed law enforcement person or uh Whoever was responsible for deciding about the fencing, uh, and I'll just read here, in preparation for the 2023 State of the Union, the board voted two to one to put up the fencing. Architect of the Capitol, J. Brett Blanton, and Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Karen Gibson, voted in favor, while M uh, McCarthy's pick didn't, reportedly voted against because there was no... Putting aside the wisdom of the decision, with the Sergeant-at-Arms split, Blanton cast the deciding vote to put up the fences, and Blanton was appointed to a 10-year term in 2019 by Trump. So the architect of the Capitol, J. Brett Blanton, who was appointed by Trump, in a sense, cast that tie-breaking vote to put up the fence. It wasn't Biden, it was someone that Trump appointed. So that's even completely off the mark from Tucker Carlson. But more importantly, even if Biden himself went to the individuals responsible for putting up the fence and said, I want a fence because I'm scared, of another January 6th happening during my speech. Still, what Tucker Carlson said would make absolutely no sense and would be completely absurd and dangerous because once again, he said, can make you hostile if you think about it. They're keeping you out of your house. If someone was keeping you out of your house and you felt hostile about that, what action would you take? Personally, hopefully you'd call the police and they could manage it, but the 
point he's trying to make is it would be justified. I'm not saying you should, but it, sh it would be justified if you took action and you got in your house as you should. And that's the type of language that causes events like January 6th and many others. We've talked because of how significant just historically and what it represented January 6th was. But right-wing violence is very common as well. And very common, I mean, in comparison to left-wing violence and is an issue, right-wing extremism and the violence that, that causes. And so Tucker Carlson is very much enabling that danger. But no accountability will take place, of course. Tucker Carlson seems to just get more and more popular among the right, which is truly disturbing. Well, yesterday I told you that the Chinese surveillance balloon story had come to a conclusion and it was a beautiful one. And by beautiful, I mean embarrassing for the right wing because we learned that under Trump, three Chinese surveillance balloons had also entered the United States' territory and they were not shot down. Now, reporting seems to indicate that Trump was actually not aware and the intelligence apparatus around him may not have even been aware and this was found out later but why this was found out later and why we understand now that these balloons did indeed come into u.s territory during trump's presidency is so much worse than even him just not knowing about it which it looks like he doesn't but this detail adding on to it is truly wild as the uh, Associated Press writes, U.S. officials said Monday <laughs> that improvements ordered by President Joe Biden to strengthen defenses against Chinese espionage helped to identify last week's spy balloon and to determine that similar flights were conducted at multiple points during the Trump administration. We'll read further. But did you get that? So Biden, his administration, has strengthened defenses against Chinese espionage, which has helped us not just recognize that this balloon entered our territory, but recognize that past balloons have done it under the Trump administration. If the roles were reversed, part of why there's so much joy on my face is because I want you to imagine, let's say you're watching Fox News right now. What would you expect? Why would you be doing that? But what would you expect if the story was Obama had just missed three balloons that flew over uh, during his presidency. And then Trump came in, increased defenses against that type of activity, recognized, shot down the balloon when it came into the atmosphere, not the atmosphere, came into um, our zone here, the United States' territory. Fox News would have lost their mind. Big, strong, genius Trump knew how to defend our country against the Chinese Communist Party's espionage and the weak Obama so that you don't clip me this is what they would be saying um, <laughs> the weak Obama <laughs> was not even able to recognize that the balloons came over US territory because he didn't care about China and especially if somehow even though this doesn't make sense on the timeline it was Biden they were talking about with their narrative about him being so pro-China they would have said Hunter Biden, something on his laptop caused Biden to decrease our defenses against China because he loves the Chinese Communist Party and is trying to help them in every way possible. And thus, these balloons were not recognized under his administration <laughs> and they were 
under strong genius <laughs> Trump. Guys, it doesn't get any better than that. Come on. And just so you know, part of why this story is so fun to me is because if you missed it, go watch my previous segments on this Chinese surveillance balloon because we walked through so many examples of Fox News and all these different conservative individuals just being so outraged by the fact that Biden didn't shoot down the balloon fast enough. He didn't end up shooting it down, but not fast enough. And we're saying, ah, yeah, whatever. The debris might fall down on Montana, but it's not that likely that it'll hit someone. So go ahead and do it. Biden's weak. They have something on Hunter Biden. China has dirt on Hunter Biden. Did I say Joe Biden? Has dirt on Joe Biden. And that's why Biden is not making the correct decision here. And they were so aggressive. Um, this is the perfect example of how weak he is. And then it comes out, number one, that Biden shot it down. That's not good enough. Anybody would have done that. He waited too long. And then it comes out that things flew over during Trump's administration. And the response is, as we got more reporting, um, okay, maybe Trump didn't even know about it. This kind of went under the radar during his administration and intelligence didn't catch it, didn't bring it to him um, or didn't even recognize it themselves. And the reason for that is just the cherry on top. And it further makes the talking points, the outrage from so many within the right wing that much more embarrassing. I have a moment for you here of Republican Representative Paul Gosar during a border security related uh, hearing within Congress. And we actually have a few moments from the same hearing to take a look at that are fascinating. Um, but this first one from Paul Gosar is so infuriating, but very common, this type of rhetoric that we've heard from many within the Republican Party on the issue, on the uh, conversation of immigration and undocumented immigration, specifically the border, even more specifically. And so we'll look at this, but first just, I know we have a lot of, like a lot of people new to our channel every day these days, um, which is super wonderful, love the growth. But because of that, sometimes I wanna give a little bit more context about my view in case you're unfamiliar with the show, not a regular viewer. So before we look at this, let me just say, I think that 100% we are experiencing an issue right now, logistically, and a humanitarian problem in regard to immigration, undocumented immigration specifically. The reason for that is not some coordinated effort by Biden to do the things that Paul Gosar will say in a second. The reason for that is a much larger conversation having to do with the realities um, in the countries that these individuals are coming from. And the way that we solve that problem is not by fear-mongering about the individuals and trying to dehumanize the individuals coming looking for a better life. It is instead to invest, yes, in border security so that we can identify individuals coming across the southern border. But so importantly, what the Republican Party often leaves out, invest in enhancing and expanding our legal immigration process so that we can handle the numbers that we're seeing um, as of recently and have the interest within that system of, yes, as I always say, the United States, but the interest of the individual looking for a better life as well. And that benefits everyone. If we can put these um, human beings on a path to a better life, where they'll be able to contribute to our country in incredible ways, as we've seen historically, that is the best 
for everyone. Dehumanizing doesn't do anything for anyone. It only does harm. And so my general view is let's talk about solving the issue we're having right now with the logistical problems at our southern border, the humanitarian problems at our southern border. The way that the, uh, the Republican Party is going about that is deeply, deeply flawed. Take a look. Why would Biden do this? To create chaos? To sow, sow discord? What's, what is the answer to this mess for Biden and the Democrats? More big brother? More control? Even changing our culture? Instead of empowering these two brave individuals and their, their, uh, the rest of the Border Patrol seated here in front of us with the tools they need to stem the invasion of illegal aliens, Biden sends billions upon billions to Ukraine to protect a border of another country. So calling it an invasion, what does the invasion word mean, right? Well, why is that word being used? Well, you tell me, what would be the justified response to an invasion in most contexts? Violence. Military invasions, you respond violently, right? They're choosing to use that word and it is incredibly dangerous because you are putting in the minds of your followers a violent connotation. You're saying this is not an increase in immigration or even an increase in undocumented immigration, illegal border crossings. Instead, it is an invasion that, as he said, is coming for your culture. It's coming. Uh, Biden's trying to coordinate all this to take control over you. And it is so dangerous. It is so, so dangerous. And so that's why this gets me so angry. You can tell I'm just trying to hold back because I'm less articulate whenever I get really angry. So I'm trying to hold that in. But it genuinely is calling for violence in a thinly veiled way. And I'm so sick of seeing that within these um, situations. So Again, I say, yes, we should have a border. Yes, we should secure our border. Yes, all these different things. No, I'm not pro-undocumented immigration because I think we should be able to manage the individuals looking for a better life through our legal immigration process if we properly invested in that process, if we properly invested in the systems that would facilitate that. And the Republican Party has been the entity blocking the proposals put forward by the Democratic Party to do just that in recent years, specifically even with Biden in recent years. And it is all so dishonest. Now let's continue with the same hearing. Uh, a Democratic representative, Robert Garcia, made a very good point about another dishonest angle from the perspective of the Republican Party within this discussion. Very derogatory terms. That is not a way to solve this problem. I've heard today a lot of conversation about fentanyl and, and drugs coming over the border. And one argument that I have heard is this false connection between asylum seekers and immigrants and the very serious fentanyl crisis that we actually is serious in our country and in our community. Now, Chief Marlin, I, I, you've made aware some of your, in some of your comments earlier, but I want to note that the Nonpartisan Government Accountability Office has found that over 90% of fentanyl border seizures actually occur at legal border crossings, and that 91% of drug seizures are actually from U.S. citizens. Now, this same study found that only 4% was from potentially removable immigrants. The percentage of all those arrested at Border Patrol who possess any fentanyl, according to the Conservative Institute, the Cato Institute, is actually 0.02%.
And so the truth is that a vast majority of fentanyl is being smuggled by U.S. citizens at legal ports of entry. And I think... Absolutely. Something we've talked about multiple times on this show. And this is one of those subjects that just really, really fires me up because... As he laid out there, and there's different specific figures you'll get based on the batches of research um, that have been done, when they were done, which entity did them, but all of them within the batch that I've gone through, some on the show, show that a majority of fentanyl is coming through legal ports of entry, and as he said, the figure he cited, 91% being U.S. citizens. So the question has to be asked then, because clearly... The majority of this problem has nothing to do with immigration, nothing to do with undocumented immigration. It's not to say that we want undocumented immigration because as I'll say a million times, we should have a legal immigration system that's set up in such a way that individuals looking for a better life go through that and all those different things. But as long as those in the right wing who purport to care about this issue are talking about the fact that the increase we've seen in undocumented immigration is the reason why we've seen the increase in fentanyl. As long as they're talking about that, they're not talking about the reality and they're not talking about actual solutions we could be discussing, which enrages me because I wish more Democrats, as he did there, would speak the truth and actually go against what the Republican Party is saying. It seems to be just many Democrats ignore the issue. We have a real problem with fentanyl. And it needs to be addressed. And the Republican Party is not just not addressing it. They're actively working to make sure people are focusing on something that will prevent us from addressing the fentanyl crisis. Because as long as we're focusing on this myth that Biden has opened the border and is bringing in all these undocumented immigrations, uh, undocumented, immigrations undocumented immigrants who are bringing in all this fentanyl, we're not focusing on actually how the fentanyl is getting into our country, which means we're not focusing on actually how we can solve the problem. So they're working against the very solution that they pretend to care about finding. It drives me insane. And it's one of the most dishonest, even though there's so many examples of this, talking points and narratives and fear-mongering devices that you'll see in American politics. Last moment we'll look at from this uh, hearing, this time from Democratic Representative Max, uh, Maxwell Frost. You know, it's unfortunate that this hearing started off with a ton of hyperbole and posturing, saying that President Biden and his administration have created the worst border crisis in American history. That isn't about oversight. It's about stoking the fears of immigrants and those seeking asylum. And it's something I take personally as a son of a Cuban refugee. Look, for, for many folks around the country who might only watch far-right media or just listen to even some of the folks on this committee, I, I'm curious, uh, Chief Chavez, when President Biden took office, did your agents stop enforcing the border and just allow everybody to come in, thus creating what we hear here is, is an open border? Did that happen when the president took office? Sir, thank you for your question. Uh, the answer is no, sir. Okay, thank you. We continue to enforce policy and laws. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Chief Modlin, when President Biden took office, did the... And then he goes down and asks multiple of those who were appearing at the hearing. And the answer, of course is no, we don't have an open border. So why does the Republican Party keep saying that? They care, care more about fear-mongering than the humanity of the people they're fear-mongering about and than the solution they're talking about. They don't want a very well-secured uh, border. 
where individuals are not seeking to come across illegally because they're going through our legal immigration system because they're not even for the actions that would make that possible. Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene presided over the House of Representatives, filled in for Kevin McCarthy um, yesterday or this morning, sometime very recently. And this image that you'll see here, and I'll actually play um, the video while I talk, is representative of the state of the Republican Party. Someone as radical as Marjorie Taylor Greene is now such a mainstream figure. And she said on Twitter when posting this video, I could get used to this. And I do think she has larger ambitions and it should be a situation where we laugh at the idea of her getting to any higher position of power. But we can't laugh because it could happen because she is becoming the mainstream of the Republican Party which is terrifying. And of course, Marjorie Green supporting the idea that Jewish space lasers started California wildfires or subscribing to all these different QAnon beliefs, believing that Q had information about the whole, you know, I don't want to say it, it'll get me demonetized if I explicitly say the views of QAnon, um, but also subscribing to the conspiracy theories about 9-11 and comparing masking policies to the Holocaust and appearing next to and at the event of Nick Fuentes, an out-and-out -out white nationalist, and on and on it goes. She is now the mainstream of the Republican Party, and that video there represents it better than anything. Take a look at this from the Independent. Georgia Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene briefly presided over the House to the horror of her critics. A video of Ms. Green wielding the speaker's gavel went viral on Monday night as she momentarily replaced Kevin McCarthy, taking on the role of speaker pro tempore. I could get used to this, the far-right lawmaker declared on Twitter. Her critics, however, expressed the opposite sentiment summed up with one comment, quote, we're in hell. And the world saw you, the United States, our House of Representatives, led for that period in time by Marjorie Taylor Greene. That is the place where the Republican Party now is, that she would be presiding over the House of Representatives. And again, I say the world saw that. That's what the United States stood for in that moment, in a way. And that is so disturbing for what it means about the state of the country now and what it means going forward about our country. Republican Congressman and Chair of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer appeared on CNN and the best way to describe this is just a disaster and what I mean by that is you'll see in a second here but he's attempting to dishonestly cover and provide an argument for the contradiction that is pretty present in the way the oversight committee led by him is treating Biden his classified document situation Pence and Trump's they're looking into Biden's they're also going to look into Pence's, but they're not looking into Trump's. And Caitlin Collins, by just presenting the facts, uh, the CNN host here in this interview, makes so clear how dishonest James Comer is being within the situation. And watching this was so cringy when I uh, initially came across it. And so you have to now be subjected to that. Here it is. Wild stuff. 
before you go, you have asked for visitor names from the Secret Service when it comes to classified documents and the concerns about who may have been around the ones that uh, President Biden took with him when he left office. Have you also asked the Secret Service for those names from Mar-a-Lago, given former President Trump also took classified documents? There's, a, there's an investigation of that. There's a, a special counsel looking into everything at Mar-a-Lago. There's a special uh, we're counsel going looking to ask into Biden for those, as well. We're, well, we're going to ask for those for Pence. We're going to treat Pence exactly the same way that we're treating Joe Biden. So let's go piece by piece. So far, we got the reason why he's looking into Biden and now Pence and not Trump is because Trump has a special counsel looking into him. As Caitlin Collins noted, so does Biden. Okay, so, so far, no argument that holds any water has been made. With Trump, it's a whole different deal. There's a, there's a formal special prosecutor. Trump has been- Sir, you've already made that point and it was explained to you why that's not a valid point. Investigated for six years, she's still being investigated. Uh, my former, investigation is on There's on a former Biden. special counsel for, or there's a special counsel for Biden as well. So why, why does it make a difference if well, they for the, Trump? Pardon me for not having as much confidence in this special counsel appointed by Merrick Garland on, on Joe Biden. Uh, but he appointed the special counsel into, into Trump as well. I, 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 so, <laughs> what? I'm against. Come on. So quickly, then we'll watch the rest of the interview. There's two categories of dishonesty. You have, and both are bad, okay? But one of them is you're dishonest, but you're skilled at being dishonest. And there's a lot of those people in politics where they're good at deceiving and it's bad that they are. Then there's dishonest, but you're terrible at it. That's what James Comer falls into because there he's not even, I feel like this is a half-hearted attempt to even deceive the audience. If you're going to deceive me or attempt to deceive me, come on, put in some work, put in some effort, James. Um, deceive me better. No, again, no dishonesty should be present, but he's particularly bad at even crafting these dishonest talking points. So then his follow-up argument was, well, I just don't have trust in the special counsel that is looking into Biden because Biden appointed Merrick Garland and Merrick Garland appointed the special counsel. Well, Biden appointed Merrick Garland and Merrick Garland appointed the special counsel that's looking into Trump too. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? You can't. <sighs> okay. Biden. Uh, but he appointed the special counsel into into Trump as well. I, I, I'm against both special counsels. I, I said when they appointed the special counsel for Trump, we don't need a special counsel. You cannot name one time in our history where a special counsel has been effective. These special counsels never materialize. They take forever. They operate uh, behind closed doors. There's no transparency. I believe that our oversight committee or congressional investigative committees can do much better work so then look into Trump too, if you can do much better work, because he's being looked into by a special counsel. In a transparent setting and, and do it quicker than the special counsels. Okay, so you say you will ask for the visitor names for Biden and for Pence, but not for former President Trump. Well, the, they're already looking into that. There's already, you have an aggressive special counsel looking into everything with, with Trump related to his mishandling of classified documents. So, so that box is already checked. Same to Biden as well, though. That's the discussion. Well, we don't there. know. But how do you not know about Trump? So the order of events, you saw it there, but just for the fun of it, let's go through again. And by the way, 
I'm being playful with it because this is the only way we survive covering Ameri uh, American politics. <laughs> but the dishonesty is sad that they can get away with this on television, just being this openly dishonest and their followers are perfectly fine with it. But let's walk through. Okay. Oversight committee cares about Biden, cares about Pence, doesn't care about Trump. Why is that? Oh, because a special counsel is looking into Trump already. A special counsel is looking into Biden. Oh, well, and he just repeated the point. I won't do that because I'll be annoying to hear. But he repeated the point. And then he says, well, I just don't have faith in the special counsel that's looking into Biden. And he quickly would have, you know, answered what would have been the follow-up question, which is why. And he said, oh, because Merrick Garland appointed that special counsel. Well, Merrick Garland appointed the one that's looking into Trump. So now we're back to square one. Do you have an argument? No. Um, and at one point he throws in there, you know, I... Uh, <laughs> Trump has been investigated for five, six years. What does that have to do with this at all? Just because he's suspected of other criminality in other areas doesn't mean that you should take less seriously criminality that is present right now or possible criminality. All of that quite incoherent. And uh, it ended on kind of a strange note where he's saying, well, I guess the final thing could be the special counsel is aggressive with Trump. But how do you know that if you haven't looked into it? You haven't looked into any of these. Now you are, but you're saying you already know, you already have your conclusion in mind that the special counsel is being aggressive towards Trump. Very strange. I say that, but we know why he's doing this, of course, because they don't want to hold Trump accountable or have information revealed that would make him look bad. They just want to go after Biden and Pence isn't particularly loved by the MAGA base anymore. So him too, but mostly Biden. For political purposes. Well, we get to take a look at now another interview I did with a Trump supporter at the Trump South Carolina rally. And I always like to, at the beginning of these segments, cut to producer Ben as well, because he was there with me. Quite the experience uh, me and him underwent. And this individual here believes that Barack Obama is actually in control, is actually calling the shots. So we're going to watch this wild and then hold because in the same segment we're going to take a look at a compilation i put together of a few of the different answers to the question who's the president right now because oddly enough not too many of them answered joe biden which is the correct and only uh, answer take a look i believe the military is in charge right now oh this is one i've heard before so if the military is in control do you mean they're running everything biden isn't we know biden's not uh, I don't know that. Um, Biden's definitely not running anything. I believe uh, President Obama is actually calling the shots right now, and everything that I've researched is pointing toward that. But who's who's going to sit back and watch all this happen? Mike Lindell proved beyond a reasonable doubt that enough cheating went on in that election that it would have changed the outcome. Obviously, many would say he didn't, but to move on from that, mm -hmm. speaking of Mike Lindell, um, He's predicted multiple times that by this date, Trump will take back over as president. The military will bring him in. Does it not make you go, oh, wait, maybe the claims he's been making about other things are also lies because he, he lied about this, or he at least falsely predicted something about this? I don't believe Mike Lindell's got a bad bone in his body. He is a true Christian. Um, I ministered for years. Why I'm here, why I built this truck, God came to me. And I'll hold my belief where God tells me to hold it. And it's a little too complicated for most people to even figure out what would happen if they overturned or found out that that was a fraud. So 
let's just walk through that and then we'll get to this compilation it's wild um first obama in control of everything based on the research he did i would love to know where he goes for that research then the question that fascinates me and i try to pose often to individuals like he did who uh, believe in mike lindell and the lies that mike lindell has perpetuated mike lindell specifically has told very or put out very specific predictions trump's going to be president by this date he'll get that specific by this exact date then trump is not in the white house he's not president and the followers still believe in mike lindell and they still believe the things that he tells them so i just don't understand and the answer i got from that guy was i don't think he has a bad bone in his body okay I'm not wanting to debate whether or not we think Mike Lindell's a good person at heart. I'm wanting to debate why do you believe he's giving you factual information if he hasn't in the past? That's what I want to discuss with you. And then he talks about kind of his religious views, which again, that doesn't relate to why Mike Lindell is giving you false information and then it's being proven false and then you're still going to him for that information. Very wild. Um, and then here's this compilation. Just simple question, who is the president right now? This is what I got. And I actually believe that Trump is president right now. Really? I do. And I, he's in, in control through the, through the military. Sounds like a simple question, but I get different answers to it. Who's the president right now? Mm, definitely not Joe Biden. Who right now is the president? He is the president right now. Who's the president right now? Who's the president right now? Mm -hmm. Trump. President of the United States, Donald Trump. Who's the president right now? Time will tell. Time will tell, okay. Was <laughs> that it? It will come out. Come on. We're, we're, we're not going to know, but I, I know. And God knows. You know, okay. All right. So the reason why I wanted to show this in this segment, we'll probably play it again in future segments with other interviews, is because... You saw the same guy appear there, right? And in the conversation, just so I could make it fast, I cut out the full context, but we're talking about Trump. And then I ask, who's the president? And he says, he is the president, referencing Trump. But he told me Obama was in control. Now, he seems to mean in spirit, Trump's the president, not literally calling the shots. Obama's doing that, but Trump should be, I guess, is his um, view there. But other individuals with the first guy and many of the other ones genuinely believe behind the scenes, you don't know, but... Trump is actually controlling everything through the military, as one of the uh, guys said. And so many of the answers were not just Joe Biden. Even if you don't like him as a president, you should still be able to recognize he is the president. This isn't a trick question. I'm just laying some simple facts down um, and then we can move forward. But often we get stopped there just with who's the president of the United States, which, again, should not be a complicated question. So truly fascinating experience every time and we will have more interviews for you uh going forward thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show we will see you at the state of the union address uh tonight and if not there tomorrow